2: You know you know what you're getting into whenever you kind of look at these people. These people have a brand because this is all about brand marketing. You know, you're going to click on their channel and you're looking for the specific thumbnails that, you know, your brain already recognizes as part of their brand. So branding is actually everything to these channels and people are looking for a specific thing that they associate with your brand. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on plague day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. All All right. (laughs) All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health. Um, I have just gotten back from New York City. Um, I don't know exactly when I'm going to air this, but I um, kind of want to put this out here because this has been something I've been talking about. And I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen other people talk about this a little bit, but um, what goes for mainstream media nowadays? Um, I've made the argument, and I think I would stick by it, that um, outlets like Tim Pool, Breaking Points with uh, Crystal Ball and Sager and Jetty, uh, Tim Cast i think i already said that one (laughs) joe rogan you know all the big podcasts within our own sphere are more the mainstream than say your legacy media msnbc cnn fox news um check your outlet here i would count um the legacy media is more i wouldn't say alternative media but legacy right it's no longer up to date it's kind of like the formal mainstream um I would consider podcasts and a lot of this internet media to be a lot more mainstream because their viewership is much more influential and um, much more in the view of people like ourselves, right? The age range of anywhere from like 18 all the way up to maybe even like in their mid-50s. So um, we're going to explore that today. Uh, I just got back from New York City, and I just can't stop thinking it's it's a shithole, man. It's uh it's pretty rough up there in New York City. Uh, I've, I've made the joke that uh, <laughs> New York City makes Pittsburgh look like Tel Aviv, and uh, if you've been to New York City, then it smells like pissweed and anxiety. And I would once again stand by that. So uh, I don't know how long I'm going to go here, but I want to start off with an article that um a friend of the show, Julie Mastrini, had did a little discussion on. And it, I kind of thank her for that. So um. I'll make sure to put this in the uh, description below, but the discussion, I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, A friend of mine raised an interesting question on Twitter. The average Tim cast or Joe Rogan podcast gets exponentially more traffic than legacy media. So they still alt media. Um, I think we agreed upon discuss doing a what is mainstream media post before. I do not think there's any agreed upon definition like what does mainstream media mean to you? Is it the outlets with the most views or the legacy outlets, et cetera? Um, to which one of her um, colleagues had replied, this is why no one is being censored by the media. Alt is bigger. There are teenage influencers with a 100 times Tucker Carlson's audience. Um, just to kind of insert myself in here, uh, I would actually agree. Um, now, her pushback, which I think is reasonable as well, is that uh, your Tucker Carlson, your CNN, MSNBC has more influence in policy and how, um, let's say, the elites may view certain cultural narratives or things like that Um now, the problem here is I don't know where that starts and stops, because let's talk about the situation a couple of years ago when you had um, Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden, of all people, calling out Joe Rogan for a comment that he made um, about COVID-19 and saying that as long as you're overall healthy, then um, he would advise against getting the treatment. You guys know what I'm referring to. Uh, she To which she replied, it's a term we do not use in our marketing since it's definition so loose, but could be fun to... Um, explore perspectives on, another one of her colleagues, Isaiah. It's also interesting how mainstream media covers alt media. There are examples of CNN and others with negative coverage of Joe Rogan, and more recently negative coverage of Russell Brand's show. There was a Daily Beast article about Brand that was incredibly overt in its bias. It really seems to me like the old feeling threatened by the new and attempting to undermine their credibility. Um, I don't want to go through this whole article. Like I said, I'm going to link this below, and I really implore you guys to check it out. But I just kind of want to add a little bit more of my thoughts on this. Um yeah, it's very, very interesting because it's almost like you have two different worldviews. And the way that I've ha- I've heard people put this, and I would use this myself, is that you have a narrative and you have a counter narrative so the mainstream narrative on the certain treatment that you guys know what I'm talking about um is that it's safe and effective and everybody should get it and it, it doesn't matter there's no nuance here um that's the narrative right the official legacy media narrative now the counter narrative to that is pretty much the exact opposite where even if you so much as snip this thing it's going to you're going to die um now some people would say that the truth is somewhere in the middle um, I would actually say that in this specific instance, um, from my understanding of the data, it almost looks like the truth is a little bit skewed towards the counter narrative. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to die if you snip this thing, but it does seem like for some people it may be more harmful than good. Now, I haven't breezed through this data in quite a while. And I don't know how much good there is in even breezing through that data anymore just because it's such a tar baby. And you're not going to get any intellectual honesty from either side at this point. So um, I hate to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I don't know what good talking about um, this specific issue is anymore. Just because people don't care and people have already made up their minds and they're not open to new interpretations of the data or anything like that. So I'm kind of moving on from there. Uh, Let me go back here, and we will go to this article from uh, medium.com. You're witnessing the final stages of death for global legacy media. Strap in. Um, Legacy media like CNN, the BBC, it all are on their last legs. Um, the term legacy media isn't new, but its popularity is. The New York Times made it, um, just made it bleedingly obvious. Did you hear that? The distant, desperate saber rattling for the New York Times to the tune of an undisclosed seven-figure sum is highly telling overall of a dying media form, which literally needs to buy a ready-made audience in order to ensure its survival. Um, isn't it the New York Times, who's owned by Bezos? I I can't remember. We're not going to cover that here. Um, see, the New York Times purchase of a viral web game Wordle wasn't just some flight of fancy for the discerning crossword fan. They literally bought precious web cookie data and global diehard web traffic. Um, an interesting note here is that you see this a lot. Um, every single website wants you to enable cookies because what's going to happen is that they're going to use your data to sell it to advertisers, which is how they get their money kind of through the back door. They just use your data. I know Andrew Yang was big on this, and I'm kind of glad that's like – out there and nobody really cares anymore. Yeah, it's annoying and that's probably why um whenever you talk about something that all of a sudden you see an ad for it on your phone. Could they be spying on you sure? But um it's probably just the cookies that you just, you know, you're trying to scroll through and you hit okay whatever and keep moving on and then all of a sudden you start seeing advertisements for all the stuff that you already like, buy, talk about whatever because you're already looking for it. The stuff is already kind of in your mind and then you're looking for it on your phone, you enable cookies and then all of a sudden uh, the the websites and ads just populate themselves to your browsers, um, and then, you know, the advertisers get paid from being able to air themselves on websites. Um, other newspapers might have scoffed at this, but the legacy media outlets that aren't making the same sort of acquis- acquisitions, at least while they still can, are doomed. Those figures which went viral a few weeks ago only make it more painfully obvious. So this was a very, very, very useful graph. So for those listening, I'll make sure to kind of describe this to the best ability that I can. Um, a 2021 Q3 media viewership. Average viewership per show in millions. Um, you guys watching this, I- I'm sure have probably seen this around, but it's absolutely fascinating. I-, I think this is really, 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 really cool. And this really drives home the point that I'm making here. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor. We are now brought to you by Fox & Sons Coffees. You can see right here, I got the Den Blend Dark. Really enjoy that. Um, I've been drinking a lot of their Brazil Honey Prep. Right here, as you can hear, there's not a lot of beans left in it because I've been drinking it quite a bit. Um, just to tell you a little bit about Fox and Sons, why I support them and why you should too, is that uh Stephen had started the company up in Michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm all about that, and I do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes, we have to support those who support similar values as us. And Stephen does support all the same libertarian values that I bring and talk about on the show a lot. So go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at check. Out to get 15 percent off of orders $25 or more and there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99 um find their coffee absolutely fantastic and I'm sure you will too so uh, one more time go to foxandsons.com use code kyle at checkout to get yourself a little discount let them know I sent you and support the coffee that supports you all right guys thanks back to the show Um, At the top of the list, which is exponentially bigger, even, I would say, probably almost four times bigger than Tucker Carlson's audience, um, the Joe Rogan experience, and once again, they're counting this in the millions. So average viewership per show by millions. Uh, Joe Rogan, on average, gets about 11 million views per podcast. Um, Now, this is still two years ago. Two freaking years ago. And you have to imagine that Joe Rogan's only gotten bigger. So average show of uh, Joe Rogan is 11 million. And then this is also slightly dated because we have Tucker Carlson, who was formerly the biggest name in TV news, um, 3.24 million per show. Now he's gone to Twitter and um you know, those numbers are a little skewed because you could just scroll past it and then that will count as a view. But still, huge those are huge numbers but joe rogan smoked tucker carlson now he's on twitter i would venture to say that he probably has an even larger audience especially because he's doing like a shorter show and uh Um, if you followed me on Twitter or anything like that for any period of time, you know that I have my beast with Tucker Carlson because he's been one of the worst China Hawks. And he was a neocon for all intents and purposes for the longest time. Now he pivoted. Yes. Um, I I think a lot of this pivoting on the right to being anti-war is just a lot of opportunism. They realize that a lot of the populace doesn't want, you know, these forever wars, but they don't really say it in any meaningful way. Like, they just, it's a platitude right now just to get thumbs up and pats on the back. Um, so the next one, the five, 2.98 million. So almost 3 million, um, per show Fox news, primetime average, 2.3, um 7 million, the Ingraham angle, 2.35 million, Rachel Maddow, 2.2 million MSNBC primetime average 1.27 and CNN is at a little less than 1 million per show at 0.82 millions. Um, Joe Rogan's average viewership, the audio listenership, is higher, beats CNN prime time figures by more than 1,000%. Think about that. So what's more mainstream? Uh, 11 million people on average listen to Joe Rogan's podcast or the CNN, which that's a rounding error in the overall population. Joe Rogan, that's probably, if I'm calculating this correctly, probably about 1% of the population. Obviously, these aren't huge numbers, but one's clearly more significant. Um, Even the keyword Joe Rogan audience for CNN is a predicted index search term of its own in Google. That's kind of a death knell, um, as they say in this article. Joe Rogan is only the tip of the iceberg, smashing into the Titanic of legacy media. Joe Rogan has annoyed a lot of the old guard with success, and now his totally inimitable audience capture on not just spotify but right across social media and the consumer creator followers which hold as much in many cases 10 times more influence than large television news networks and whining commentators who also bring a much larger audience of their own excuse me In contrast, the television and news networks, newspapers, and 20th century influencers busy lambasting Rogan sadly appear to be the elderly political workers that includes folks in your city halls, the activists, quote unquote, including musicians and those who enjoy broadcasting convenient morals and policy longs. You can't say they didn't see this coming. It's been a long time it's been this way for at least a decade. The Firing Shot was surely the first YouTube channel in the world to hit 1 million subscribers, a number and an eminence of power so significant that every media CEO at the time should have quickly considered their 10 to 15 year position and made a plan for horizontal distribution of their content. But none of them actually did. And that's how they're about to get left behind forever. I'm kind of side note on this. It's funny that YouTube took down the dislikes for content and you can only see the likes um you can look at like the views and if you see that it only has a few likes but let's say millions of views and you can probably intuit that uh there's a lot of dislikes on that video either they're paying for viewership and like no real interaction um when you look a lot of at, at like a lot of the news channels stuff they really don't get a lot of traffic to their channels anymore um i think it's just largely because they probably don't understand the algorithms and they don't care and most of their viewership is coming from uh you know just cable news watchers, people in retirement homes pretty much at this point. Um, For the vast majority of legacy media, it's too late. Um, They are reliant on advertising sold and bought from parties that aren't their own. They're reliant on social media, which profits from their content rather than the other way around and have been for years. They're reliant on branding, which no one cares about anymore, which anyone with a Canva account can accomplish. Um, uh, Everybody's reliant on branding. So I I feel like that's a little misleading because um, you know, what's Matt Walsh? Matt Walsh is the Daily Wire brand, the Tradcon brand. Uh Lila Rose is another one that's another like Tradcon brand. Uh think about your crazed feminists. Like y- you watch Sam Cedar, you know you know you're gonna get the snarky Democrat. Um you watch Vosh, you're gonna get this radical socialist who's okay with um CP and you guys know what I'm talking about, not cheese pizza. Uh Destiny, you know, you're gonna get the blue-haired fentanyl cucksmurf. <laughs> you know, you know what you're getting into whenever you kind of look at these people. These people have a brand because this is all about brand marketing. You know, you're gonna click on their channel and you're looking for the specific thumbnails that you know your brain already recognizes as part of their brand. So branding is actually everything to these channels, and people are looking for a specific thing that they associate with your brand. Um It's over. The biggest problem is that legacy media has that they can't rely on their content and they can't rely on their power. Uh, The only element keeping them in charge was their ability to be gatekeepers of influence, technology, and the ability to broadcast. That'll end in 2005. Uh, Can legacy media save itself? If you have big philanthropy behind you, sure. It certainly has, um, it can certainly try by itself, but the options are limited or viable. Hey, it's ads again. Um, One of the only way that survival appears to be guaranteed is by law or by government mandate of state media. State media is sometimes called public broadcasting, even though public broadcasting generally equates to voluntary donations made by public or public figures such as PBS. Uh, The threat of the end of the BBC in the UK is a great example of a dying legacy media outlet. The Conservative Party government over there decided to end the license fee and a mandated levy that people have to pay for the right to watch live television and have always paid for, it seems, um, for many years. So just kind of touching on the state media stuff. It's kind of hard to argue that a lot of these mainstream news channels aren't towing the exact legacy media or the government line. They're telling you the same stuff that you would see from a lot of governmental figures. There's not a lot of dissent between them, Right. Um, the only time they knocked Biden was on the, with, you know, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but, you know, a lot of the time they're kind of carrying them across the finish line. so, um, just because we live in like this oligarchy and, uh, you know, this uh, intense intermingling of like public and private partnership, uh, it's hard to say what's like not influenced by the government and what is, and, you know, you could even say some of this with the alt media as well. So this is kind of one I want to talk about this, because we need to address the fact that alt media also has a lot of inf- or you know has some public, you know, influence as well. Um, however, in the age of internet live streaming, live TV isn't a factor or of influence anymore. The end of the state mandated fee leaves the BBC with a few years to make some serious smart decisions. About its future, um, although by recent com- by recent comment from them, it doesn't seem like that decision is near at hand, and are only capable of focusing on their losses, perhaps relying on a UK election to save them from their last minute, rather than analyzing their entire business model. And this is how all the old legacy media will die. Will continue to draw on high cost, poorly watched content while arriving as the late majority to every new way reach audience. A uh, new way to reach audiences. Sorry. They'll continue to have no tech. They'll continue to blow R and D cash on rubbish ideas that audiences don't want, and it's sad. But it's also incredibly, or it's also an incredible new beginning for new media outlets, new journalists, new broadcasters, new filmmakers, and directors. Of course, you already know this. This has been YouTube or a YouTube, Netflix, Prime, Twitch, Hulu, TikTok, Instagram, Odyssey, Gaia, Curiosity Stream, you name it. New reality for a long, long time. Uh, so yeah, I I think that article sums it up pretty damn well. So we're going to go over here to Apple Podcasts, and we're going to go to the top political podcasts. Um, Number one, Pod Save America from Crooked Media. I actually never have heard of that. Um, MSNBC prosecuting Donald Trump. It's kind of funny because that is a mainstream or legacy media outlet that has now pivoted over to a podcast. Number three, The Daily Wire, Candace Owens. Um, It's just kind of funny to hear people talk about cancel culture, and Candace Owens has been one of them who says that she can't be canceled, which, fair enough, she's not wrong. But conservatives and right-wingers who decry cancel culture and say they've been canceled, but then we see this. Candace Owens, number three. Um, another example I'm thinking of is Jimmy Levy, who wrote that song about Free Miles Guo. And uh, go, as you can see here, number six is Bannon's War Room. Um, I wrote an article on that, so feel free to go to the Libertarian Institute and look up uh, – I think it's my name. Or you look up uh, Bannon Guo and yawn. A uh, where a populist right idol gets his funding. Uh, I think that's the article. Look that up, and uh, that'll tell you a lot about Steve Bannon. Uh, number four, the Bulwark podcast. Uh, Neil Caddyall at number five. Uh, courtside with Neil Caddyall. Number six is Bannon's War Room. Number seven is Breaking Points with Crystal and Soger. Uh, eight uh, Deadline, the White House, MSNBC, another uh, legacy media outlet with a podcast. Number nine, The Verdict with Ted Cruz and hashtag Sisters in Law from Politicon and um, MSNBC, Chris Hayes. So you see MSNBC was kind of smart and they started to kind of dip their tone into the podcast realm to remain relevant. So like I said, this is just Apple Podcasts. Obviously it could be different from platform to platform to platform. If you go to Spotify, I'm I'm sure Joe Rogan's number one for obvious reasons. Um, So there was this chart, cable news ratings um, from the 8 to 10 p.m. hour, which is considered prime time. Uh, 25 to 50 year old demographic viewers, total viewers and audience share. And once again, this is from 25 to 54 year years old. So Tucker Carlson came in obviously at number one with, um, it's Fox News, the five, 583,000, uh, 3,577,000, um, Hannity and in the Ingraham angle. That's, uh, Tucker Carlson at eight Hannity at nine and, uh, Ingraham at, uh, 10, uh, Tucker Carlson is, you know, over 150,000 more than them. Uh, he's exponentially more than uh, Chris Hayes, who's on MSNBC. Obviously, much more than CNN and Newsmax and News Nation. They don't even have, uh, you know, 20,000 people for some of theirs. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just interesting to see this, and this is a little bit more current. Wednesday, November second, 2022. So just to kind of remind you guys of what's all going on in Legacy Media, as you could see, this is, uh, it's nowhere near the same numbers as an 11 million from Joe Rogan. Um, So this was a little bit of an interesting thing. I'm going to try to breeze through this pretty quick, but a 48 podcast statistics in 2023, listeners consumption and trends. Uh, This was published actually about a little more than a month ago as of when I'm recording this. It is June 25th, 2023. This article was published May 17th, 2023. Um. So let's see. Podcast 2023 top picks. 5 million podcasts globally. 70 million podcast episodes. 464.7 million number of podcast listeners globally. Uh, 78% of the U.S. population is aware of podcasts. 22% of people listen to podcasts while driving. I would be in that 22% sometimes. Apple and Spotify are the leaders in podcast streaming. Uh, My number one download source, I want to say, is probably Apple Podcasts. uh, Fountain, when I had first got on there, I seen a huge surge in downloads, which is really, really cool. So I appreciate um, everybody listening. So I hope that you guys have all subscribed, listened, and gave me a thumbs up and a review whenever you're listening. Um, I really, really appreciate that, and it means a lot to me. Um, So they have a bunch of numbers here. Uh, There are 464.7 million podcast listeners globally as of 2023. The numbers were predicted to reach 504.9 million by 2024. So we're almost at half a billion. That is almost a a sizable chunk of the world's population. About 12% of the world's population listen to podcasts like this. On the podcast industry, market size is $23.56 billion. There are over 5 million podcasts globally with over 70 million episodes between them. Podcasts are available in 150 languages. Video podcast production is now higher than ever. Spotify and Apple Podcasts are the two biggest podcast streaming services on the globe. Um, United States is the most podcast listeners in the world. It's predicted that over 100 million active podcast listeners will be in the U.S. in 2023. Um, That's crazy. That is a third, almost a third of the population. There's about 330 million people in the United States. One third of them are listening to podcasts just like this. Um Scandinavian countries have the biggest highest podcast or have the highest podcast penetration rate. One third of the American population is podcast regularly. Smart speaker sales increased by 22% during the pandemic and is one of the most popular channels to listen to podcasts. 78% of the U S population is aware of podcasts. 160 million U S citizens have listened to a podcast at least once and 90% or 91% of Australian people are aware of podcasts and podcast listening is the highest in the morning. And most of the podcasts are listened to on a mobile phone. Um, I would be included in that statistic. Um, So here they just have a list, Um, 15 number of podcasts in the world. Uh, We covered a lot of this. Um, Actually, this might be a little bit interesting. Um, Here's a table showing the number of podcast listeners globally over the years. Uh, 2019, 274.8 million. 2020, 332.2 million. Uh, 2021, 383.7 million. 2022, 424.2 million. 2023, 464.7 million, and 2024 forecasted is 500.49 million. Uh, fastest podcasts are growing fast in these nations: Chile, Argentina, Peru, Mexico, and China. Uh, Podcasting industry in the U.S. will be worth four billion dollars in 2024. Um, podcast global market size. Um, by 2030 they're projecting 131.13 billion uh 20 79 percent of americans are aware of podcasting swedish people consume the most podcasts and that's 47 percent of uh swedish people claim they've listened to at least one podcast in the previous year 91 percent of australians know about podcasts uh 62 million or 62 percent I think they messed up here. 62 million U.S. citizens have listened to a podcast or 205.5 million podcasts or U.S. citizens have listened to a podcast at least once in their life. All right, guys. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink, sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, You need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you, um, Sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, You don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to 7 grams per day. In hot climate. So uh, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. One identical survey carried out back in 2006, only 29% of the uh, population the podcast at least once in their life. Uh, 2022, they say 62% of uh, all Americans have listened to a podcast. US monthly and weekly podcast listeners 41% of the people in the USA turn into tune into a podcast every month 28% of the population do it weekly and they consume around 11 episodes on average while they're at it Gen Z discovers podcasts more than twice at the rate of other age groups um and this is actually pretty interesting um so here they have a little chart podcast discovery by age group and this is according to Spotify ages 13 to 17 um 11%, ages 18 to 24, 4%, ages 18 or er, 25 to 34, 2%, 35 to 44, 3%, uh, 45 to 54, 5%, 55 to 64, 4%, and ages 65 plus, 4%. 22% of uh, people listen to a podcast while driving. Smartphones, the most popular device to stream a podcast, most popular podcast platforms um spotify is number one amazon music at 2.7 um, spotify is 33.7 apple's 27.6 iHeartRadio 6.2 google podcast 3.6 uh, as i said amazon music 2.7 and others at 26.2 uh here they just kind of listed out the other ones um apple podcasts king in terms of podcast downloads um, 70% of all podcast episode download requests come from Apple Podcasts, which is much more than Spotify's share of downloads, which is 8.9%. Now oh, I'm in here, they just cover that. Uh, podcasts are most popular among people aged 12 to 34. Weekly listeners average eight podcast episodes. Um, podcast ranking and listeners, um, this is kind of interesting because um, I didn't realize how high this puts me in podcasters. But um, BusBrought did a study, which they revealed the top one percent of podcasts get an average of three thousand nine hundred ninety-four downloads in the first seven days of release. Here's the overview of podcast ranks and the average number of downloads in the first seven days of release. Um, Top 1% of podcasts get more than 3,994 downloads, top 5% get more than 795 downloads, top 10% get more than 335 downloads, top 25% get more than 93, and top 50% get more than 30 uh video podcast statistics um video podcasts are also referred to as vodcasts have become increasingly popular in recent years by offering a unique combination of audio and visual content that caters diverse audiences increased video um podcast consumption corresponds with the overall growth of the podcasting industry um A study done by the podcast host revealed that just 17% of podcast hosts record video or record their episodes in video format as well. Um, Obviously, I would be in that. The survey revealed that just 10% of podcasters go live, which is interesting because that seems to be a very, very popular form um, because you get a lot more engagement that way. 34 advertisements from podcasts have been introduced into 69% of listeners are are to new products products i think i completely butchered the way i read that advertisements from podcasts have been introduced 69 percent of listeners are to new products say done by the podcast host reveals that 69 percent of listeners claim to have been exposed to new brands and products as a result of ads on number of podcasts on the top two listening platforms spotify has 5 million podcast titles as of 2023 as for apple the number stands at 2.5 million the number one podcast in the world is joe rogan um uh top podcast on spotify joe rogan's number one caller daddy is number two uh anything goes with emma chamberlain Sh- sean ryan clark or sean ryan show and Counterclock. um that's in the u.s uk joe rogan mirror uh we won't go through all this Mo- most popular podcast genres not going to cover this chart but it is kind of interesting um fiction is more popular than i would have thought well it's mostly in latin america but uh it's a it's an interesting chart and it kind of tells you like where um what part podcasts are popular um popular podcast genres in the uk satista found that people in the uk age 25 to 34 love comical podcasts um podcast duration statistics the majority of podcasts are 20 to 40 minutes long and only 15 percent of podcasts are under the 10 minute mark um i don't think that much of this is really um interesting or relevant to this podcast so we'll kind of move on from here um joe rogan how many listeners does joe rogan have find out some interesting stats about the jerry podcast Uh, i don't want to go through every last little thing on this Uh, You may not even be that interesting, but uh, feel free to check this out. Um, It just kind of goes over the popularity of Joe Rogan and how big he's gotten. Because once again, I mean, it's the biggest podcast in the world. Uh, Same deal with Tim Poole. Um, He's kind of one of the bigger ones in our sphere. You got to think he's getting over, you know, sometimes like 100,000 views. Um, So let's see total views, 341 million on Tim Pool, Tim Cass is 319 million, Cass Castle 2 million. I mean, it's well over a billion views on his channel alone. So now what does this say? I'll stop the share here. What does this say overall about media and how we consume it? Um, I think that we underestimate just how popular the dissident right, the dissident right distant right jesus the dissident media is right we are looking at a whole new generation of the way that people consume media um and this is something that i had talked about when it came to rfk he is running a 21st century campaign you could say vivek ram swami as well but he's just not polling as well um vivek and rfk are both running 21st century campaigns by going on all these podcasts they understand where the younger voters are and they understand that this is a whole untapped base that's going to be voting into the future right they are going to be One day, the boomers that we complain about now, we're going to be that. I'm going to be that one day. Maybe I'll still be doing this podcast. Maybe, maybe I'll be on like a TV show or something in like 40 years. Who knows? We don't know where this media is going. Or maybe, you know, we'll have the Elon Musk chip in our brain where we just visually see podcasts through a Vegas nerve or something. I don't know. Um, But I just want people to consider that and think that some of the information and the news that you're getting isn't. Exclusive to you and that maybe this is much more the mainstream and how we should look at media overall today that um, it's different and we have to assess the way that we consume information and the way that we view information a little bit differently because it's no longer um, the same effect from consuming legacy media right there's no longer gatekeepers. We have to be aware of influence from alt media now as well because this is a bigger audience. So there's going to be um, more nefarious players here, right? Because they may not have to be explicit because there's not any laws or binding contracts. I'm sure that'll change in the future, but... um I just kind of want to encourage people to think differently about the way they consume information and just be aware that um, people have their own biases and whatnot. And it's not necessarily different from legacy media. That You're still going to have the same kind of situation. So um, I hope this was useful. I hope that this information um, just gets you thinking once again differently and it provides a different perspective than you're always used to hearing. So um, if you enjoyed this content, make sure you hit a like, subscribe, share, download. Please do whatever you can to help spread the word. Um, lots of cool content coming up for you guys. I appreciate you listening. Make sure you go check out all the links below. Fox and Sons Coffee, LMNT, and Tiger Fitness to get yourself all jacked, tan, and caffeinated. And until next time, everybody, I appreciate every single one of you for listening. And until next time, take care.